0: Assalamu alaikum. Hello, I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. This is Aslam
1: Levy and you are listening to AccidentalMuslims.com.
0: Aslam, welcome. Finally get to, to meet you uh, mm. in Johannesburg. So we don't have Zaid Parker here because he's in Cape Town. Mm. But um, thanks a lot for, for, for making the time.
1: Uh, no problem. Anything to, to help a cause that tries to inspire people to, to do better.
0: What what does Aslam Levy do?
1: So what I do um, is I try to help government better provide information and interaction service with citizens via digital communication platforms. And it sounds very complex, um, but essentially we, we want government to be more open and share more information with with citizens and make it easier for citizens to get government information.
0: You're officially, what's your role in government? Okay,
1: so I'm currently the director of online platforms um, at the department called Government Communication and Information Systems. Um, so I head up... Um, so the South African government's online communication platforms and those are websites, social media platforms and mobile applications.
0: Wow, so that's like a huge, huge <laughs> task.
1: It is a huge task and the portfolio just seems to grow daily but I think it's it's an important portfolio that that, that someone needs to at least yeah, get yeah. the ball rolling on.
0: So, so did you get up one morning and say look, I'm going to work for the government and try to make it better? Or it by chance
1: look i I never actually thought that I would end up in government um I come from a family that was not very political or we never really had political conversations in the home and so I was never sensitized around the role of government and politics so my, my family was or is very religious, and so because of that. The focus is more on, on on the dean and and and, and being steadfast in praise and not worrying as much about the the goings on in the world. And and so my my journey actually started with doing e learning and online learning, and I I, I, I I at that point developed a passion for for using technology to help people. So first it was e learning, then it went into e marketing with Cape Town Tourism. So there, it was about helping the city market itself, and I, I realized that there's, there's, there's power within communication technology to to improve people's lives, uh, indirectly or directly. And I think that led me finally to government uh, and me feeling that I can improve people's lives with communication technology in the government space.
0: What made you move? I know you moved from Cape Town mm. to to Johannesburg, Victoria. Mm. I'm sure it wasn't an easy, easy task or decision to make.
1: It definitely wasn't an easy choice, primarily because my wife and I we don't, uh, didn't, or don't have any direct family or friends up the side. It's one thousand five hundred kilometers mm-hmm. away from everyone that you know or have known for the last thirty years of your life. So that was the 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 big. The big challenge, the big sacrifice, was missing the birthdays and the, the newborn babies and the and and to a certain degree, some of the challenges we've had in the last three years are when someone passes away, trying to catch a flight on that day to get home in time for the janaza and, mm. and and so those are some of the things we we knew we were giving up and we knew were going to be problems, but the benefits for us were that. That both of us are ambitious, we both want to 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 do work that is meaningful at scale, that really reaches a lot of people, and we both felt that a move to Pretoria would give us those opportunities, and 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 I think it does. It
0: has. doesn't matter what job you're in mm. to 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 have that impact, to make that impact, and serve serve humanity. Mm. So you definitely must mm. the sisters and is a gasp is no, they have
1: something here called an AK forty seven.
0: Echo is it? Yeah, I think it's, I,
1: I've, I've not had in a long time yeah. because my first experience was so disappointing. Okay. <laughs> and then um, I, I I've not had again. Um, but definitely, when I am in Cape Town, I I, go, I have a Gatsby or a Salome or something. And yeah. you know what? Maybe I think partially the other reason why I don't have it here is it still makes Cape Town special for me when I go down. And so then I go down and. Sometimes I, I, I even I've I've already packed a Gatsby in a in a bag and carried it up <laughs> See, <laughs> to Pretoria. <laughs> Definitely got some points with the wife when you come home with a Gatsby yeah. <laughs> from Cape Town. So, it's, it's it's those kind of things. Sometimes sometimes things need to be kept. Let's use the word sacred, and you you make it yes, special, and you try course. not to water it down. And so, yeah. Cape Town, we always try to keep, you know keep the special parts of it there. We've been here now for three and a half years. But um Cape Town always still for us is home and we think of it as home, so
0: yeah. yeah. So I've also been, been travelling a bit here to come to Joburg. What's and I would, I'd like to hear your take on what's the difference between working here in working in Joburg and working in Cape Town? People say Joburg's far spaced, there's more hassle, here.
1: I think Joburg if you look at Joburg and how the city was was founded. Joburg was founded because of the gold that was found here. So the initial group of people that came to this barren piece of land was people that wanted to make a success, people that wanted to be in business, people that had a drive to make more of their lives. Um, and I think that energy has remained in the city. And so the city still draws people from around the country that that want to achieve things with their careers and in business. And so the upside of that is that many of the people that you meet that are here are here because they want to make things happen. Yeah. So it's not difficult to find someone that has a similar mindset to yourself. Um, and so there's a lot of networking that happens. There's a lot of movement within companies, people moving and and, and getting better opportunities. And so for a career move, and, and if, you, if you are in that phase of your life, Joburg is a, a good move for, for many people. Some people don't enjoy it because it, it is a different living experience compared to Cape Town or Durban. And I find that a lot of the people that come from the coastal cities have similarities in the way they they perceive their lifestyles or the lifestyles that, that they want to live. So there is, there is that, that difference both in terms of the work experience and the, the lifestyle element of it
0: yeah i also i mean I also feel that in Johannesburg the the social circles are are bigger um, as compared to Cape Town in Cape Town we tend to stick to our cliques you know on weekends, um, the whites stick with the whites, the blacks stick with the blacks, the Chinese stick with the Chinese Indians stick with the Indians and when i when I come here to Johannesburg, you'll see do you think you' in a different country. Tell me about the whats your, what's your definition of, of success? So,
1: for me, and the way I look at success, I believe that every soul is on a unique journey when they are on earth or on dunya Mm. here. Every soul is on a unique journey. And because of that, there should be 7 billion definitions of success. There should be a different goal for each journey that that soul is on. So I don't think we can have the singular definition of success and say that should apply to all seven billion of us on this planet, all trying to to find our way. So I don't think there's a blanket success. I think for me personally, I I feel that for me success is when you when you feel that what you're doing uh, brings purpose into your life, and for me it's about as much as possible, trying to move other people's lives forward. Um, and I've come to realize that you do that by improving systems. So I want to, to successfully improve the government system, firstly in our country and maybe in future in in other countries. But at the same time, that is one facet of success for me. That, it's a multifaceted item. So the other side is I also want to be a good husband, a good father, hopefully a good grandfather. And the one thing that I'm very envious of and that I actually would, that I I would actually prefer over any kind of career success, I'm very envious of people that have passed away and you will see either a son or a daughter of that person post something on Facebook and say, my father passed away five years ago and mm. I miss him and I wish that he yeah. could be... Uh, and, or even sometimes, I know that there was a, a young guy in Durban that got knocked over by a drunken driver. And people in the industry who knew him were posting on Facebook that they can't believe this guy is not around anymore. And so they miss him. They He added so much value into the lives of everyone around him when he was away, when he was now passed away, mm. People still yearn to have that person Or remember that person And I definitely don't want to be forgotten Like yeah. I don't want to pass away one day And uh,
0: mm.
1: No one ever Even Cares
0: Yeah, remembers you know. mm. So <clears throat> So you work in government mm. And you're trying to improve the systems mm. Do people ever like blame you or accusing Aslam, come on man You are in government <laughs> Government's corrupt
1: I think um, It took me a while to to become confident in telling people I work for government. Because there was always this the stereotype that I felt that people would see me as as soon as I would tell people I work in government. So if you tell people I work in government and ah, you're just one of those lazy people, didn't want to work in the private sector, got a nice cushy job in job in government. So so I had to first break that, you know, and and and, and so now what I do is I tell people what I do and I try to explain to them how government actually works. And many times I get people then afterwards saying, you know what, I never realized that there were people like you doing what you're doing within government. And then they will say, actually, you know what, stick stick in there. We need people like you. Stay there. Do what you're doing. So, yeah, so you do. And I always say to people, it's, it's one of those... Uh, not popular things to say when you're in a new crowd and people are like yeah people are sharing where you work and so when you say you're from government it's like almost like it's a downer, ah, right. um, but I'm not saying that there aren't uh, people within government that are abusing the system. There are definitely, yeah. um, but I also want people to know that there are people in government that do care a lot about the system and about citizens.
0: Hundred percent, and 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 uh, I want to take this opportunity to mm. to. Look. To show my appreciation because mm. I know you're doing some sterling work mm. for for us, um, and I see you on Facebook a lot. So. Mm. <laughs> how do you balance? And I know your social media is part of your mm. job, so how do you balance, you know, being present with your family and also being online, you know, almost twenty four seven? Do you also do you find that also a challenge in today's times?
1: It's 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 a big challenge, um, and it's something I'm actually. Still grappling with because the challenge with especially things like Facebook is that it's very easy for you to believe that that is the way things actually are when everyone's actually giving you just a slice of their lives. Yeah. And so a lot of people start comparing their real lives with other people's Facebook lives. 100%. <laughs> And so you st- you, st- you try to to build something that is in fact not real. Um, so for me, it's 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 very important to spend time like physical face time with right. my daughter and my wife. Right. And sometimes what 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 me and my wife do is we'll we'll find we'll, we'll we'll catch each other being on our phones at the same time, and then we'll say to each other, "Okay." 10 to 10, we're just going to stop. And we agree, and in 10 to 10, we put the phones off, we put them down, and okay, done. But sometimes you need to remind each other. You you don't realize you'll be sitting and you pick up the phone, and there you start. And then 15, 20 minutes have passed. And so we we are open about it. You have to have that kind of honesty within your relationships where you can say to the other person, okay, I I, I see we are now kind of getting drawn in. Let's make a time. Take five more minutes, five more minutes, we finish what we're doing. And now it's family time.
0: It is challenging, especially for today's youth as well. Um, mm. you, you look at my nieces and, and um, you know, my cousins—they mm. permanently on their phone. I mean, the phone is part of the body, mm. um, which is quite scary. What is scary, actually, is that I think the,
1: the an even bigger challenge is coming in terms of the evasiveness of technology, and and the benefits are are, are starting to be clear, but. The negatives of wearable technology I think is something we're going to struggle with because at the moment, your phone is in your pocket. So when the phone beeps, you actually have to take it out to interact. But things like watches just takes you a turn of your wrist and there it is. And the ease, that it's increasingly more easy to be pulled by a notification. And I think for, for, for the next generation, when you start getting into... I know Google Glass tried to make a early push into that space, but I think at some point we'll have wearables on the face where you don't even have to do anything. The data is just the info the content's just there. it's there um and I, I made a joke to uh a colleague of mine once because so we were in a room um and most of the people were sitting like with heads down, looking at their phones flicking flicking through their phones. And he was saying how weird it looks. And I said, you know, that looks weird now. A few years from now, people are going to be wearing these spectacles. But they're going to be watching things. So you'll walk into a room and everyone will be staring at a blank wall. (laughs) Uh, Because they're actually watching something. Yeah. Um, It's quite scary. It's scary. But, uh, yeah, these are the the challenges we'll have to face and and, work around.
0: What about Open Cove? What is that about?
1: So... The challenge with government, and I mean, from the environment that you work in on a daily basis, you know that there's a lot of data within government. A lot of it is locked. Firstly, the problem is so much of it is on paper. So firstly, what we're saying is there's a lot of public benefit if that data is exposed digitally so that people can be more aware of uh, what government's doing firstly and what citizens can do with government data to improve their lives. An example I made at the TEDx was a mobile app developer could develop a mobile app that allows a single mother that moves to a new area. And let's say, for example, her child becomes ill. She's just moved to that area. She has no idea where the closest hospital is or how to get there. A mobile app developer could develop an app where she says, she opens the app, she says, where's the closest hospital to where I am right now? And that app could then go and pull open data from the Department of Health that has all the locations of the hospital. So immediately that data that lives within government, all the hospital's locations can be seen by that lady. But now she needs to get there. How does she get there? She now knows how far the hospital is from her. What if the Department of Transport made available all the transport hubs, all the BRT bus routes and timetables, and that could be absorbed into the app. So immediately she can then now have an app that tells her where the closest hospital is and how to get there and what times the bus will take her. But where we currently are is we are still opening up that data. We're still trying to unlock all that data that lives within government.
0: Okay. And that's so, the so it's an ongoing process. Mm. Gov 2.0 is the same thing. So
1: Gov 2.0 is still a fuzzy concept because there isn't a singular definition of, of what uh, Gov 2.0 is. But the general feeling is that a Gov 2.0 is a digitally enabled government. So it's taking the old, inverted commas, old government and kind of augmenting it, powering it up with digital... Uh, technology, allowing things to be um, faster, more secure, more responsive, more transparent. Um, And so for that, for many people, that is government 2.0. The the challenge is we've been talking about e-government probably for 15, 20 Mm. years now. And so people start to, when you hear something for a decade, you start to kind of lose faith in it. And so gov- government 2.0 is, is almost like an e- br- uh, a rebranding of e-government because let's rebuild confidence in this concept of a digital government.
0: Okay, understand. So you now, you're now a recent TEDx speaker. Mm. Mm. Congrats on that. Um, yeah, okay. Definitely a bucket list <laughs> pick. So what does, your, what does the TEDx, TEDx talk about?
1: So my talk was about creating a resilient inclusive government, and I'll just break that down very quickly, is so resilient comes uh, becomes an important item because government gets pulled by different forces. Sometimes it's political, like where we are now, we're within that eight, nine year political change cycle, so now government's under the strain of those political forces. Sometimes government is pulled because of business and private sector. Um, Sometimes government is pulled because citizens wanted to do certain things. And, and so the system is under strain. And so what I've realized is that you've got to build a government system. A lot of people don't realize that, that for many people, government is that building. And, and government is that um, trash truck that comes and picks up your garbage. But it, it's actually an interconnected system. Um, that is only as strong as its weakest link. And and so my my talk was around that that system needs to also be strengthened by citizens making links to it. And that's how you, you strengthen the system. And then you want the system also to be inclusive. You don't want government doing things and developing things that only work for the privileged few. You want government to do things that improves all of society. So an example of this within my work is when I develop a mobile app, I ensure that the latest version of the app works on Android as good as it works on the iOS version. Because I know that most people are using iOS and I want to include them. I don't want to make an Apple-only app because... I can offer better functionality, and it's much more amazing, and it's much more fancier, but it excludes the broader masses. So it's about being
0: inclusive, bringing everyone in. The bottom line we talk is for us to be active citizens. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we always think of government being like a one, two-way relationship between mm. government and citizen. Mm. Um, we it's it's, in, it's a integrated system. Of, mm. Okay.
1: I think that I think where where this this view of this, the, the view of this relationship comes in because we vote or, or actually some of us vote. <laughs> we need everyone to vote. And so we feel that we've signed this contract with government and it's only us in government that are in this relationship. But as I've mentioned before, there are other forces at play. Mm. Um, so the, the, the private sector wants government to act in a certain way and, um, and citizens want government to act in a certain way. And so government gets caught in between. It's trying to appease both sides. And the only way we get government to do what sometimes is best for the citizens is to lobby government, to join civil society organizations, to sign petitions, to to do all those things, to encourage government to do the right thing. And it's, and it's not a political party thing. Because I see it across the... the, the Government space that the government sometimes look like they will make wrong choices if if we don't intervene.
0: Mm. So, what are your hours like? like and, and the traffic in Pretoria, in, in too. I mean, you stay in Pretoria as well, okay?
1: I try to keep my hours as close to an 8 to 5 as possible mm. because I'm of, of trying to balance the family okay. life. Um, so mm. I try as much as possible every now and then there will be something that happens after hours um, or over a weekend every now and then I'll just check and this is where I am talk- I was talking earlier about having to pull myself and in mm. is. I would just check Twitter for example, what are the training topics, um, just to be aware if there are any topics that are bubbling up that government should be aware of, so for example we've got a WhatsApp group That has many of the senior government communicators in it. Tonight, I log on and I see something like minimum wage must fall or something. Uh, uh. Um, I would then send that to those communicators and then say, look, guys, this is now in our environment. Citizens are talking about this minimum wage issue. Um, What are the concerns? Uh, what what don't they completely understand or where is their lack of information. And it gives those colleagues of mine time to go out and source more facts, get more information, put out a media statement. Uh, and that's the relationship between me and them. So because luckily for me, I can check all those things on my phone mm. if I'm at home. Yeah. I'm just, I don't have
0: to be in the office. Um, i so like. picture you like having this dashboard of all the social media trends. And mm. Interesting. Uh, yeah,
1: so we, we try to have software that allow us to, to see uh, conversations that people are having. Okay. And an example I made, again, at the TEDx mm. was the, the challenge for me in communication is that we are the ears, the eyes, and the mouth of government. We are the communicators and with the listeners. But sometimes we can't make the hands and feet move the way we want it to. But at least what we can do is tell the organization what it is we're seeing. And so when it was the peak of FEASMA's fall, around the time that um, the pastor, I think it was, yeah, it was around the time the pastor got shot. There was a lot of conversation around police brutality starting to emerge on social media. People were like, okay, but the police are now being more violent. And the next day I went into the operations room and fortunately someone from SAPS was there and I actually was able to pull that data, pull that graph up and show that the number of times the word police brutality is being mentioned on social media is increasing. Mm. So as your them you guys clearly are starting to lose the, the model high ground here. People are starting to not feel that 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 you are containing the situation and you're containing your own selves well enough. And thankfully after that meeting, we saw a more measured approach from the police.
0: So it's scientifically so you actually can show them the metrics. Yeah. yeah. It can show you, look, they there it's people are talking about it. Yes. Um,
1: That's That's and once public perception swings against you the swing against you is much faster than rebuilding the trust. Yeah. Um, so that was the key thing for them. Like, if this thing swings against you, you're already trying to regain trust after Marikana. That has taken you how many years to at least rebuild some confidence. Something like this puts you back there. Yeah. Um, I think, that, I think it, it, it went it home. And so my point at the TEDx was we might not be responding how you want us to respond all the time, but we are listening. Yeah. So speak. Use social media. Talk about it. Get awesome. your friends to talk about it. Make a noise because yeah. someone is listening. That's
0: brilliant. Uh, and it's us. Thanks, that mm. Thanks a lot for that. Mm. How would you describe yourself in, in three words? In three words? <laughs> I've never thought of myself in three words.
1: <laughs> I think I'm very focused I can become very focused. Sometimes I think almost homing missile. Like <laughs> um, it's actually, it's actually the, the, the upside of my stubbornness.
0: Yeah,
1: it's actually linked. So when I lock onto something, I want to to do that thing. Um, so you that's, won't let go. Yeah, I won't. I, I just have this thing of. It takes me a while though to lock, but when I know that this is the right thing and this is what I want to do, I almost become just completely captured by it. Which has its pros and its cons. The pros is very focused. The cons are, sometimes you need to let some things go. You can't always just drive towards them. So that's the first, I think, I can be very focused. I think I'm very... I'm very in. I'm, I want to say forward thinking, but without making it sounding like I'm <laughs> um, like your
0: Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah,
1: but I like watching trends. Yeah. So there's a part of me that is very much someone that is forward thinking in the sense of I'm, I'm watching trends. I'm looking at the, the steps that are, are taking place, and I try to preempt where things would go. And it's very important in my line of work. With digital communication, because the space moves that fast, to be aware of what the next step possibly could be, and so if a lot of people um, would ask me, so, so how 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 would you know that, that this would happen, why why are you doing this? And I say, I watch trends. I just watch the way I see the trend to be going. I think that would be the second thing. Maybe I guess forward thinking is the word that would cover that one. I guess open-minded. Yeah, I think I'm I'm very open mind. I would would position myself as an open-minded person Um, I'm open to anyone's point of view because I'm of the belief that you are able to accept uh, no you are able to listen to anyone's point of view Mm. it does not mean that you have to agree and you have to uh, make it part of yourself but Mm. you can at least just give them a ear and so I'm open. I'm open to anyone's suggestion on, on the way they see things and their belief systems and the way they see the world.
0: I was reading this book and we were talking about the the they actually they took took out stats on leadership. Mm. Um, and they wanted they asked they surveyed many people about what are the traits, the the key traits of, of leaders and there was four traits that was mentioned in almost every response. Um, one, one was honesty, mm. one was competence, mm. one was inspiring, and the other one was forward thinking. <laughs> so, inshallah, Insha- you you will be <laughs> a great leader one day. <laughs> if inshallah. not, you already. Mm. Let's talk about maybe the Quran and, mm. and 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 maybe and your faith. And how it relates mm. to your work. Mm. You said you come from a very religious background. Mm. Do you have any favorite Quranic story or verse? Or?
1: You know, there uh, there is one that i've I've thought of before, and I think it relates a lot to my my point earlier about being open minded and if I remember correctly, I think it's Surah al baqarah it's mm-hmm. the second um where it's all about Allah creating uh, nabi Adam and that 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 creation moment and uh, where it links to firstly to me personally and then secondly to my work is for me personally it links to we have a purpose to be here like we were created to be here uh yes to worship the almighty and our creator but also to to live good lives and to help others and, and so we're not we're not here by accident, mm-hmm. and so I, I link it to that moment. That moment when when Allah says, "I will create man," and mm-hmm. and um, and we were created. Yeah. Um, so that's firstly for me on a personal level, we are here for a reason. We're yeah. not here by accident. We're not right. And the second is 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 there's a line within that surah where um, where Allah says, and "I'm going to paraphrase now, yes. so I don't know exactly, but He says, I will create.'" Generations of men, or succession of succession, men, yes. and uh, the angels then ask something like, um, "So you will you also will there also be of them that are corrupt and that would shed blood, while we the angels are worshiping you?" And then Allah's yes. response is, "I know what you don't know." Yes. And so for me, it's like, so this earth, for me, was never meant to be perfect. It was never meant to be flawless. And I think that there was almost this understanding in the beginning that that Allah just says He's creating it in the way he's creating it because He knows things that I would we would never ever know. And so for me it's about then how I how I take this into my work is is that this world was never going to be perfect. But what can I do to make it better? If that imperfection was always just meant to be there. Um and so so I like I like that 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 section of the Quran about mm, mm. why we are here and the imperfection of 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 this earth and yeah. and how it relates to us improving
0: society at large. And all. thanks for sharing that. Mm. T- tell me one thing about the the future of South Africa. What, what's what your take? I mean, the people are very despondent. There's with uh, unease regards mm. to in the future where we going, especially corruption that you mentioned. Mm. So what's your take on that, seeing that you work working in government? <laughs>
1: Look, firstly, to, to work in government through this phase, you have to be very optimistic. Yeah, yeah. And I am optimistic. And I think, to a certain degree, there are a lot of things that are wrong. There are a lot of things that are, 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 are failing us at the moment. But I genuinely feel that we will, we will hit a slump and then we will grow from there. I th- I don't think this is a, a isolated problem within our country. I think more broadly, globally, there is an unease within society around the kind of leaders that we have. And a lot of people were, were very shocked that Donald Trump won in America. And like I said to you, I watched the trends. And so for a while leading up to that, I was also sharing content on Facebook. Like, Hmm. there's also this artificial intelligence that has predicted uh, for the last three elections who the president would be. And this AI is saying it's going to be Trump. Hmm. And if it's not Trump, it's going to be the first time this AI is wrong. And I was also watching that same trend and thinking, this is becoming more and more likely. So when it happened, I wasn't completely shocked. It was like, no, well, the trend was there. Yeah. But the underlying thing is that people are unhappy with the way the world is being run at the moment. There's a lot of inequality. You see a lot of people at the bottom feeling exhausted, drained out, not making ends meet, and you've got top CEOs making millions. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that it's it's more of a global shift that's happening. I think South Africa we caught within the clutches of that, but I think we are also going to shift. I think the future is more positive. I definitely believe it's more positive. Um, and so my job, I feel, is to hold the systems in place through this tough period.
0: Inshallah, mm-hmm. the if there are youth and graduates are there, mm-hmm. one probably thinking of going into government. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them?
1: Have lots of patience. <laughs> have lots and lots of patience. Government, working in government is like surfing.
0: Surfing. Yeah. It's
1: like surfing. So you have to time the waves, and the longer you're in government, the, the easier you will start to see the wave. There's just momentum that, that goes back and forth within government. Sometimes it's a particular project or program or focus that is just moving forward. And you've kind of got to just catch that wave and ride it in. Um, you will wear yourself out swimming against the current within government. You, 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 you have to have patience. You have to be able to time when you do things. And if you come in, and, and we all do this, and it's very easy to spot the, the new people in government. It's the, the bright, fluffy tail, shiny eyes. I'm going to change the world. And they find themselves swimming against the current, swimming against the current, swimming against the current. And by the time the wave is there, they've burnt themselves out. And so my advice is it takes time, it does take time, but you start to learn to work within the system. Um, And also, if you're new and you're coming into government, understand that it's not a perfect system. Um, But you have to do the best you can with the
0: resources and the people that you have. One, well, my last question: mm. What are you most grateful for? That's the easiest question. Family.
1: Okay. Family is the the thing that I'm most most grateful for because no matter no matter what challenge or phase of my life I've been through, I've always been able to fall back on family being there. Mm. Um. And technology helps that being up here in Pretoria because we have a WhatsApp group with all my cousins in there. And we share photos and we Mm -hmm. share jokes and we tease each other. Um, And we share photos of when we were four and five years old, which is now close to 30 years ago. Um, And you realize that you can take away everything. You can take away all the materialistic things, all the accolades, all the successes, like, that's that 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 layer that's there, and you know what I've also found is, is sometimes you you imagine these successful people that you that you always see in magazines and newspapers mm-hmm. and things, and sometimes you just you just fumble across their social media accounts, and when you look at it, it's photos of kids, it's photos of their kids, it's photos of them spending family. time with their family. And then you realize, you know what? That's what's
0: actually... It's most important. Hmm. So what's next for Aslam? What is next? Working for Google Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
1: um, I've got good relationships with people um, at Google and Facebook. Hmm. Um, And there's been moments where I've had those conversations about Google and Facebook. And... And there was a time also when I was having conversations with people that work in the United Nations and those kind of things. And I would like to be able to tell you what I exactly know is next. Yeah. But I can tell you now that four years ago, I would not know that I'd be sitting in Johannesburg working in Pretoria for the last three years. So I can only say that my next choices will be to find ways to even further scale up the work that I do to help people in some way, um, where, how, and with what tools.
0: Aslam, I want to thank you for Mm -hmm. coming. And um, you are making an impact. You are a leader and Shukran.
1: Afwan, Afwan. Shukran for having me. It was was nice actually coming through and... uh, I look forward to hearing some of your next speakers.
0: So that's it for today's show. We hope you added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamualaikum.